0: In Ephesians 6 I am on the verse about the shield of faith and so I realized that in December I during the Advent in preparation for Christmas I spoke on Wednesday on on faith and I realized that when we were going through um, uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit I talked about faith at length as a as a as one of the fruits of the Spirit and I just was going back looking at every (coughs) every Book we've gone through. When we went through Genesis, we talked about the faith that Abraham had and what that meant. And what I'm finding is, faith is one of the rare things. It's, it's that we are called the people of faith is a beautiful thing because faith is one of those rare things that is first of all an act. Of something that we can do we believe in in the Lord Jesus Christ and we are saved but then we are part of the faith and then it is a gift that the Father gives us because of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and it is a fruit of what shows up in our life as a result of having the Holy Spirit in us and so it is it is in so many things it's a an an adverb a noun an adjective a, a, a verb it's it's all of these pieces and it we we want to understand it because of the simplicity when you look at this verse in, in the context of Ephesians 6 when he's talking about the whole armor of God putting on everything and standing and then it says above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one so there's several pieces to this one is it says above all so you're like okay above all I need to and, and you know it's not Uh, I mean, maybe you're hiding underneath your shield like this, and so it is above all the other pieces. Maybe it means that it's the most important piece. You need to have this piece and be wielding it. Um, I'm not quite sure, but the language is there. It says, above all, take the shield of faith. But the part that concerns me is with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I'm like, okay, so there's going to be fiery darts. Am I ready for these fiery darts? Well, that's what the shield of faith is for. And so, I, because we've discussed faith in so many ways, I really was hesitant in how to share about the shield of faith, in that what exactly, which exact part of our faith is it that is the shield? Is it because if it was only the fruit of the spirit that grows, then I would say, well, you're you're born again, so spend lots of time with jesus so that your shield will grow right because if you're a baby christian you know we'd be you'd be depending on everyone else's shield for your to protect you which is kind of true so that is there's is some element of truth in that if it was only a gift of the spirit then we'd be looking around and saying well you have faith you have the gift of faith you have the gift of faith you have the gift of faith you guys have got to exercise your faith on our behalf because we don't have the gift or something you know if we wanted to just go down that line. We're supposed to desire all the gifts. Um, And so, because of the the differing ways that we talk about faith, I really wanted to just look at it as a shield, and this is a few of the things that came to mind, is if you've ever put on armor, and I've put on not the entire armor, but I've put on bits and pieces of armor, and the, the reality about having a shield on your arm that you're using is it is in your way you can't see things when you hold it up here you can't see past the thing and you have to look around to see there when you this hand is busy it's holding the shield so you've got your sword and your shield and then you have not very many other arms left to accomplish other things and so you're stuck with i either hold this shield or i do something else And I was reminded of how many times, like when you read Civil War history, and there will be a battle somewhere, and then they'll be moving their troops, and at some point it turns into a rout. And so soldiers are just running down these muddy roads, and pretty soon the whole area is littered, not just with things they don't need, but with all the gear of their warfare. Their muskets are back there. Their, their powder, everything that they need to fight an effective battle is suddenly lying beside the road and they're just running. And they get to the other end, they have no coat, they have no food, they have nothing because they left it when they ran. And so I'm thinking, okay, so I'm, I'm wielding this unwieldy thing and I'm wanting it to be big because I want to be protected, but now it's in my way, and now it gets heavy, and now as I'm going about daily work, I'm just going to lay it aside for a minute. I'm thinking, you know, it's possible that if if I am a soldier wearing this entire outfit, that in between battles, I would probably have a place to put my shield where it would be on my back or something, and I would have it with me, but I wouldn't be necessarily wielding it or actually actively using it. Because you know, when you're marching from place to place, you might want to have something else for your hands to do. And so, just thinking about that concept of how how impractical is it? Like to say that my faith, that's going to quench the fiery darts, is the thing that I'm either holding or wearing on my arm, basically. Because I've seen different ones. The uh, some of the medieval ones, you would reach through, and you would have a a like a strap here. And then you'd be grabbing onto a handle here and it would be pretty wide. Um, and so you'd have different options. I haven't ever gotten to wear the Roman, the official Roman one. Um, I've seen some of my friends have had those and have talked about them because those were made to where they would fit interlock to the other people's shields. And so that's a neat idea. I'm going to lock my faith in with your faith and we're going to make an impregnable wall of the shield of faith right here. So that's a, that's a cool idea. But the, in the, just in the thought of, of faith getting, of the shield getting in my way, I thought that is actually probably a helpful way for us to think about this shield. Because it's very similar to, um, and I think this was at the very, the very, the first message of the year when I was talking about um, that we're in a battle. And it was the message where I was was going to say, I am, uh, I was going to call it an invitation to the battle. And then I was like, or a call to battle. But in, in thinking about it, I realized we are in the battle. And it's not, I don't have to invite you and say, hey, come over here. Here's the battle. The battle's already happening and you're in it whether you know it or not. And so it's more of a, this is a, we've been given an invitation to win, an invitation to actually make progress in this battle, not to just lose because we didn't realize the battle was coming. Well, in some ways I feel like the way our faith interacts and the way the shield of faith works has a similar thing. For instance, if I think of the fiery darts of the wicked one, and I think that these are maybe mean things that someone else is saying toward me, and this is a, this can be a real fiery dart. When someone says something about you, it can be true, untrue. Um, it can be actually not what they said, but you think they said it. Um, you know, you're 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 walking along and you think you heard someone say, "Well, now the problem with Joseph is that," and you're like, "What? What, what did they say?" Well, I have oh no and then you can be wrapped into knots thinking and you don't even know what they actually said they might have said something completely different but when words come and they're the fiery darts if you are on a mission and you believe that God has called you to accomplish something and you're trying to do this with all of your heart and you're going, and you're focused, and you're praying, and you've got the word of God, and you're praying with other people, and you're going on this mission, and then words are being said, you often will count those words as just the the necessary persecution that happens, and they just glance right off of you and keep going. You don't internalize them. You don't think about them. But if you're sitting still, and you're not doing anything else, and the words are spoken, they come to you, you, you sit there and you start meditating on these words, and pretty soon they turn into the fiery darts. And so in a very real, and, and you start becoming bitter and angry, and then you're just like waiting, and then you either are like, well, I'm going to launch out these fiery darts and kind of get back at them that way, or, or you go into this mode where well, I'm gonna not go around those people anymore because of what they said or because of what I think they said. And so words themselves can become fiery darts And they provide a good example to us of what it means if I'm actively exercising my faith, if I'm actively walking in the faith and I'm pursuing obedience to Christ and I'm on a mission, it is many, many times that on that mission, people can say whatever they want and it doesn't derail us. It doesn't actually infect us. It glances off and keeps going because we expect that there will be some opposition. In fact, If you've been in in enough of these missions, when you go on to do something and you head out to do something and and opposition comes, after a while, instead of going, why am I being attacked? You say, ah, we must be on track because here comes the attack. And you you just assume that there will be an attack. And the attack comes, but you think it's going to come, you're expecting it to be there, and so you keep walking. And you don't really care because they don't have anything to do with the mission. And so in in that sort of a sense, thinking about the shield of faith, I think it is both the thing that gets in my way and the thing that is, is unwieldy if I am not on mission. Because if I'm on mission and I'm doing something, I will be actively stumbling over my faith day after day. It will always be in my way, so to speak. And so ways that faith could interfere in my life, and I'm saying this in a, in a, in a sort of negative way, as if, if, if I'm just trying to sit on my couch and forget about the battle and forget about obedience to Christ and forget about discipleship and forget about doing anything that would have any eternal impact and I'm just trying to relax, well, these are the ways, these are things that feel like they're interferences or things that get in my way. And it's things like prayer, Praying doesn't seem like the thing I want to do while well, I'm just sitting there trying to indulge myself. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just put everything out of the... But praying on purpose, out loud. Sometimes praying with others. Reading scripture becomes a way in which the shield would get in my way. Meditating on Jesus. Practicing his presence is probably the biggest one. If I'm just sitting on my couch trying to relax, trying to not let anything bother me, and I start thinking, well, what if Jesus was right here? And he was, we were discussing what was going on in my life. How would I respond differently than sitting here on the couch trying to protect my me time? Like, what would change? And it does change things when you start thinking that Jesus is right here and he's present. And see, on a high, lofty theological level, I kind of know God is everywhere, right? He sees everything, nothing's hidden from his eyes. But I don't always live as if I believed that. I often think, well, and and I compartmentalize, I say, well, I'm going to serve God over there and I'm gonna do these things over here and here's Jesus walking with me going, well, if I'm your king, I actually am asking you to submit every compartment of your life to me and I want you to submit all of it to me. And, and that, from a fleshly perspective, is really an interruption and it's really, it's, it's awkward because now I'm trying to see over there and this shield thing keeps getting in my way. Faith keeps messing with me and not allowing me to do those things that I'm trying to see or do. And I think it's helpful to think of it in that way, is that we have been given a faith that, is got a, that has a purpose, that we're supposed to be serving Christ and obeying him and walking with him. And if we're doing that, we will be praying. We will be reading his word. We'll be praying with others. We'll be practicing his presence. We'll be aware that he is here and it will change things. But the biggest thing when I look at the shield of faith, where it says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, when I think of me trying to quench fiery darts, I'm kind of imagining, you know, here I'm standing and we're watching and they're over there and they're shooting at us. And as the darts are flying in, because they're on fire, I'm watching them, and I'm moving my faith to stop them. That's what I'm seeing. So I see this as a very active faith also. And so I have lots of images that I think of when I think of wearing the armor of God, and some of them are helpful to me. And this is what I wanted to share with us, is, is when I share things with you about faith, the things that have been helpful for me are only helpful to you if you've had the same challenges i've had if you have the same weaknesses i've had and if you've had some of the same questions i have and so the word of god addresses all of our weaknesses all of our challenges all of the the issues we have but when i come here and share i could share with you the same thing about faith sunday after sunday after sunday and it might just really be you know i might be getting more and more encouraged because i'm hearing my own faith stories from the very the way that they encourage me But you might be sitting there just like it doesn't apply to you. Now I'm going to assume, and I know that you have some of the same challenges, some of the same weaknesses, you face some of the same things, you have some of the same callings, but there's some areas where you don't. And so you'll have to take some of these and apply them to yourself and say, okay, how does this look in my life? And and so the question, well, the question that I want to ask now and then again um, as we close is this, when, if the shield of faith is to be active in my life, it is probably not going to be some super spiritual experience that I have an experience with once in a lifetime at some camp that turns out to be the shield of faith. That when I go there and I say I had a faith experience, it probably isn't gonna be that that's the shield of faith. It's probably going to be the super boring part of walking with God day by day by day. And every morning when I wake up, going ahead and praying, submitting this day to the Lord. Every day as I'm walking through the world of being aware of who he is and what he's wanting to do. And it's not going to be the super glamorous thing. Now, it might lead you to some of those super glamorous moments. But the shield of faith, if I'm trying to identify, if you're trying to look at your life and say, well, what part of my life is me using the shield of faith? It probably is... The, the daily part of your faith. And so with the, uh, there's a verse, Hebrews eleven six 6, that I wanted to look at. I think you have that one here, Reagan. So Hebrews 11, verse 6. Um, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so the part in here, because we, we and, and I want to, I want to, to back up just a little now. I, a minute ago I said the, the shield of faith, how you identify that in your life is probably not that, that one-time experience, but it's something that runs through all of your life. See, when we talk about the faith, walking in faith, being part of the faith, being people of faith, um, having come, you know, we say someone came to faith when they're saved. Now, part of what we're doing is over in Romans 10, when it talks about how we must believe in our heart the Lord Jesus Christ and confess with our mouth, and then it goes on down and says how does, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Part of what's happening in that example or that passage there, is that we are being, we are told to believe in Jesus Christ. And what we believe about Jesus Christ, that constitutes our faith. And so sometimes you will have a small piece of this and you will understand it and grasp it. I've known people who spent years of their life walking with Jesus as their savior and they kept looping through sin, but Jesus was their savior, so they kept thanking the Lord that he had saved them and repenting over and over again, and then they would have another revelation, and they would suddenly understand that Jesus was more than just their savior, but he was also a lord and a king, and that he had more power than just to forgive them after they sinned. He had enough power to stop them from sinning in the first place. And they could be free from sin. And so they would then embrace this new understanding of who Jesus was. Now in the first instance, they believed in their heart and they confessed with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. In the second instance, they believed in their mouth, in their heart, and and, (laughs) confessed with their mouth the Lord Jesus. And both of those times it was faith. And yet the experience was better the second time in some ways. The first time was great because they had a freedom from sin and they were like, wow, I, there is hope for me. But the second time they said, there's actual hope for me here on in this earth. I don't have to just wait until glory. I can actually be free here and now. And so there will be different ways that you will walk along in your faith walk. And there will be different pieces that you understand about who Jesus is. But the heart of what we understand of who Jesus is when we want to walk in faith is we start with the realization and the understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he was fully God who was born to Mary and Joseph there in the, in, to the, the virgin birth in Bethlehem and it was the fulfillment of prophecy And this is part of what we believe. This is part of the gospel. This is part of what we must believe. This is how when we, when people of faith believe this, people of faith around the world for 2000 years, this is what we have believed. When we talk about faith in Jesus Christ, we believe that Jesus was the son of God, that he is from heaven and that he was born as a baby and became and was a man and walked among us. We believe that he fulfilled the prophecies, we believe that he did good things and preached the gospel that in him, when he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to preach, and he goes down the list, uh, freedom to the captives and, and uh, sight to the blind and all of those things, when he, was, when he was preaching that, that is part of the gospel. We believe that. And then we go on and we see that now he, as, as Ralph said, he takes on and becomes our sin for us on the cross and is, takes the wrath of God in a way that you and I are not able to do. See, when we die for our sin, we, that is the ultimate death, we're done. We can't die for it and thereby pay for it and, and reap the benefits of having paid for it. But Jesus was able to die for our sins in such a way that he lives again. We get the benefit of having died for our sins before we die. And so we actually get to be made alive in Christ. And instead of dying the the final death, the second death, we get to live again. And so now we have hope that one day we'll be with him in eternity. We're still stuck on this world. So we still will die the first death, just the death that came into the world through the sin and the curse. But we are going to live again because of Jesus, and this is all part of the gospel. So the things I'm sharing with you, these are the things that the true believers in Jesus Christ have believed for 2,000 years around the globe. And sometimes what I've just shared with you is all that they have believed. They had almost nothing more than just these truths. Sometimes there's been so much theology flooded into an area that people didn't believe any of it really. And so they've had a lot more knowledge and they could have told you, well, let me tell you what a, the, the, the end times view is for a post-millennial um, and they could have given you that or a pre-millennial and they could have given you that and they can give you the whole explanation of what it's gonna look like but they've not actually believed any of these things. And so when it comes to faith, this is our starting point. We start with who Jesus is. And so then we're going to go from who Jesus is in heaven, where he is reigning right now, who Jesus is when he came down on the earth and was a man amongst us. We believe all of those things, but there is one more step for us to see this faith of what we believe as a shield. And that is just the simple thing of looking around you, looking at your circumstances, and your circumstances, if they're like mine, can vary wildly from day to day Sometimes nothing has actually changed, but somehow your circumstances are completely different. You wake up and you're looking at everything going, hi, this is horrible. And the next day you wake up, nothing has changed, and you look around and you're like, wow, this is awesome. But into these circumstances, who is Jesus in this circumstance? Who is Jesus in this circle? And so that I think is going to be part of the key for us if we want to wield the shield of faith in a way that is effective, is to be able to realize that he is here. And so that becomes, when you are broken and lonely, you say, well, who is Jesus? And you find that he is the one who weeps along with you. He is the one that walks with you through the darkest valley. When you are, and, and this, is, this is the importance of understanding who Jesus is. Because he is Everything I've been telling you, he is, and then he is more. He is more than this. And so this is what our faith grows in us, because in Hebrews, uh, just a couple of verses before this, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And one of the things that happens is in our walk with faith is based on my past experience with Jesus Christ, I am projecting that my future experiences with Jesus are going to look like this or that he is going to do something. So if he has rescued me once, and now I'm in need of rescuing again, I'm assuming that he is is able to do this. And that partly, something in there is faith, where I'm saying he has rescued me once, he can rescue me again. And so, so there is a real sense in which my faith grows as I walk with him and experience some of these things, but much about faith is actually a very practical, everyday kind of thing. And I had, um, Stacy and I were talking yesterday about faith and different pieces of it, and I wanted her to share a little bit about her own journey with faith and what she has has thought and experienced with faith.
1: So I was just telling him that when I was growing up, I was always practical-minded Kind of thing. And so faith, while understanding that it was hard to articulate what it is because, like he was saying earlier, it's used in so many ways. It's used as a noun and an adjective and all of these things. And so I would say I didn't have a real grounded view of what it was, but then we do these personality, no, not personality, uh, spiritual gifts gifts tests. Um, And they cover, do you remember when we did those years ago? It was so good. Anyway, I score really low in faith, and Joseph scores. It's like in his top one or two and I was like that makes a lot of sense he's the one who would go down into Mexico with only enough money to make it down there and totally trust God to bring him back and all of that and has no problem just being like you know what God said he'll take care of this and so he will and I'm just like when I hear these stories when we first married I was like that is just bad planning that is like putting God on the spot and not showing just responsibility and other things that also honor God so anyways I score really low he scores really high And I think that that's just, you know, I have different gifts. I'm gonna exercise those. And then I'm reading in Hebrews, the verse where it says, for without faith it is impossible to please God. And it just stood out at that moment of just being like, this is not a a gift or an an attribute to put down. I always thought the the most important ones to God were holiness and love, that those were like, those were core and central to his personality. Then I was like, I cannot please him without faith. And then the verse immediately popped up about Abraham, how he had faith and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And just, I don't know, just flooding in all of the people who waited for the Messiah and had faith in God without understanding mentally the details that we think are important for salvation. You know, we're like, you must believe that Jesus is God and that he did all of these things. And we believe that that knowledge and the um, proclaiming of that is what saves you. But it's like, just the bigger picture, it was like, no, faith is what saves you. And that faith pleases God. So anyway, after that, I had a, a massive change of heart towards faith and just was like, Lord, I want this. I do, I don't wanna just say, oh, that's my husband's gift. And I exercise in different gifts. I want to please him. And so I just begin to pray, Lord, increase our faith, that, that prayer that the disciples had.
0: Thank you. So in the, that was in the verse that we just read, Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so going back to what I was sharing with all the pieces that we believe about Jesus, I think one of the ways that is very important for us to believe these things is the reminder from Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is possible that you have heard scriptures being read so many times. Um, I know there are some verses that I've read. There there used to be books in the Bible that when people would turn there I would kind of yawn because I knew why they were turning there. They were going to use it to support this or that or the other thing. And I would frankly be a little bit bored with it. And so when I am bored with scripture, I can assure you that it's not sparking faith in my heart. And I might be hearing it, but I'm not actually hearing it. And so this is also why, like when Stacy said, when she read that, those, those words, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it like jumps out at her that's how it works the Holy Spirit is wanting to empower you through his the Word of God but in order for us to exercise the shield of faith we need to actually be in the Word of God and I find it so important that I speak it out loud and so sometimes I will you know I read quietly a lot because it's just easier I mean if you're I have a a friend who um his children are all grown now, but like all of their growing up years. Like I was visiting their house one time, and I might have shared this before, but we're just in there, we're playing a game, suddenly dad shows up over here, he's got a Bible, and in a loud voice begins to read an entire chapter. Just reads it out loud. Then he goes away. And I'm like And his children were not phased at all. They didn't even they, they didn't seem to pay attention to it really. They just kept going and I'm like Does he do that? Oh, yeah, he does that all the time. (laughs) And, and you know, and I thought about it, like, I don't know that for him, it really mattered whether anyone heard it. It was in the proclaiming of the word of God that it was doing something for him. If there was anyone that needed to hear that scripture that day, it was probably him. And he knew it, and he wanted to read it. And so instead of just quietly reading it in the other room, he's like, well, I'm going to read this scripture. So he went and read it out loud. So so there are times when we've got to hear ourselves say, I believe. I I, I love when we sing those songs where I believe in God the Father, I believe, you know, and when we sometimes we use the, 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 um, the different confessions and we say those all together, it is important for us to hear that to say I believe. And that is part of what our faith is. Now if you've played video games you know that in each different game when you use the shield button different things happen but sometimes shield happens and a big bubble shows up and it just kinda protects you and the person, your little dude runs around and everywhere and he's able to do all these things but he's got the shield on him, he's got the bubble on him. And so I, I think when we read the shield of faith we sometimes get stuck with hoping that that's how it works that i say these magic words or push the right button and doing, and there it is and it's like the and i'm protected but i think in reality the way it is more is that it, of all of these gifts that we're talking about faith is one of those that we exercise and we walk in and faith as a believer once you have put your faith in jesus christ there are certain good works that are expected of you and, and, and for us who have been like and especially for me and you can ask Stacy because we've had we, when we first met we had some very strong um, discussions shall I say uh, and, it, and it, in my childhood my only hope of ever pleasing God was to do certain works and so I had no hope besides the works. And so when I discovered that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and it's not of works, then I didn't want you to talk to me about works for anything. And so the moment you say that these are works that should be, or I say this, that should be in the Christian's life, my first thought is heretic, hold on, let's, you know, you're, you're preaching heresy now. And yet we look at scripture, and we see that works are a necessary part of a Christian life because if they weren't necessary, We would pray the prayer, I believe in Jesus Christ, and we'd be out of here, we'd be in heaven with him. But we're not, we're left here in this world where we have to actually do things. And doing things constructively for a good purpose is works. And so this is not about your salvation, but it might be one of the pieces that will help you avoid the fiery darts of the wicked one is if you are busy doing the things of God and you are pursuing him through his word, through prayer and understanding that he desires for his children to be crying out to him saying, Lord, I need your help in this circumstance. Lord, I need you to understand what this means. If this is what God wants from us, he wants to interact with us. And so it's, it's, you know, Stacey talks about me going to Mexico with just enough money to come back. That was a different trip, but it was close. It was very close to that. But the Mexico thing, several times what happened with me in going on these missions, they were way bigger than myself. They weren't just an idea that I could go and accomplish. They were something that I was wanting to do to serve the Lord that was bigger than myself. And I think this is important part of our faith-growing experience. What I learned through all of those at different times was that the most important thing to God was not that I went and was successful and did these things, but that I went with him. That He wanted to walk with me. He wanted to stand beside me as I walk up to the impossibility and he wanted to see the surprise and joy on my face when he made a way. He cares about that. He wants to walk with us. And so this is, again, uh, you you know, and, and it was a huge blessing in my life because of what the fruit that came out of it later. But when I was 15, I started reading God's word for five minutes every day. And so I would literally set my little stopwatch and just read 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 beep 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 okay I'm done and I'm out of there what did you read I don't know but the clock went beep 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 you know (laughs) and so you know you'd be sitting there reading one eye on the book and one eye on the clock and but I did it every single day because I was going to read the word of God and then there were some days when I wanted to read the word of God and I would sit down I didn't worry about the clock I just read and it was in those days in reading God's word that I began to understand this, and this is if there's any part of of the armor of God that I think is the most important for us. If I wanted to say above all, I believe this idea of faith being our shield and being our guard is perhaps that because part of what this is saying is that God is calling you to walk with him. And you can start when you're a tiny person, you know, at this point in his life, William has been learning how much fun it is to do things with his parents. He will throw something or drop something or whatever. It'll make a noise. And what does he do? He looks around looking for an adult so he can go (laughs) and laugh and we'll laugh with him because it's fun and he had a good time with it. But that is similar to what we're doing with God. And we can start a lot sooner than we often think because you can right now is a good day for us to say I want to walk in faith and so this applies to to you know when we're children this applies to us when we're old it applies to us all the days of our life this applies to us God wants to walk with us in our circumstances and when we're walking with God the chances that we're going to fall into the snare of the devil are greatly diminished. And it's just a simple truth. And yet we can allow teachings that we have heard and other things we've heard to, to, to be like, well, I don't have time for that kind of faith living. Well, yes, you do. If you have time to breathe, you have time to respond to God. You have time to say, Lord, I want to do this with you. Lord, I need you in this today. And eventually there are times when I'm walking along and I finally say, God, do you even want me to be going this way? And the answer sometimes is no, I don't want you to be going that way. And I say, okay, well, which way should I be going? What should I be doing? And one of the most freeing things you will ever do in your life is when you've been on a mission and you're going in a direction, and you're trying to accomplish something and you suddenly, you, in frustration, you step back and you say, God, is this something from you? And he says, no, it's not. It's not actually what I've been wanting you to do. And when you realize that and you humble yourself and say, I shouldn't be doing this, and you stop, no matter how good the thing is, it's amazing how freeing that can be in our faith walk. Because one of the very important things that we we see with the Apostle Paul, when we're talking about walking in the Spirit, walking with Jesus, it's not just important that God can tell us go, but it's also important that God is able to say, don't go. And if if God is able to tell you go or don't go and he can tell you both of those, that is a huge testimony to your ability to hear from God. And so as we talk about the shield of faith, I feel like of, and I actually feel this with every one of them as we come to them and we're talking about them, I feel like what I get to share here is so small um, and and yet there's so much here, there's so much truth that is in this picture because the, the overall picture is that you're in a battle, the enemy is trying to kill you. The enemy literally would like to kill you physically, like where you'd be in a, in a grave tomorrow. That would be the enemy's chief desire. The enemy wants to steal from you any joy that you might have. The enemy does not want you to enjoy life at all. The enemy wants to, to destroy your, anything that you might be accomplishing for God. And so you're in a constant battle. And the enemy is speaking and his words are going out there and the enemy is trying to keep your attention and keep you from seeking the lord but jesus is saying come to me i will give you rest jesus is saying i am the good shepherd and and if you think of the the shepherd in psalms 23 the shepherd is leading his people and they're walking together and they're going places and so jesus is calling you to walk with him and there is a battle, and it is trying to destroy you. You might think, ah, it's not so much about me. Yes, it is. It is, the battle is about you. The battle, the enemy wants to, because for one simple reason, there, there's two or three or more reasons, but one simple reason is you are a human being, and all of humanity has been created in the image of God. And every living person, no matter how sadly they have gone with their life, how much drugs has ruined them, or how any of those things, how wicked they've become, every human being is, an, is a reflection of who God is. And we don't fully understand this, but when we are in heaven and we're with Jesus, we will understand what it means that he made man in his own image. And that. Just because of that, you have an enemy that hates you. And so this is one of those things where, sorry, you showed up, you're here, and it, you, you didn't come here on your own volition, but you're human and you've been born and now you've got an enemy that hates you. But you have a God who loves you. You have a God who loves you and wants to walk with you, and He's asking you to follow Him. And there is never, uh, today is the day. You can choose to walk with Him now. You don't have to wait until a certain age. You don't have to wait until you've accomplished something. Immediately, you can submit yourself to God and start walking with Him. Now, as you do so, there will always be things you will learn, and there will be days when you look back and say, well, On this particular day of my life, something changed dramatically in my faith journey, and I understood so much more than I did before. And if you're walking with the Lord, you're actually going to have those until the day you die. You might go through long dry seasons or long spells where you don't really hear that much from God, but then you will be walking in obedience to him, walking in faith, and it will, again, something will happen, and you will have these amazing moments that you will be telling people about for years to come. And so as we walk in faith, I want us to look at this particular one, the shield of faith. And in our, in our world, if I was to start walking around with an actual shield on my arm, it would be unusual. It would be um, unexpected. Like, why are you doing that? But if, you, if I was a soldier in the wars, and, and I was in the army, say, the Roman military at the time, um, that this was written, it would be expected that I had a shield. And if I showed up, and the general mustered all of us and he, and he was riding down the line and, and, and inspecting all of us and he's like there's a soldier with a shield a shield a shield and there I am, am i with no shield there would be something wrong why don't you have your shield a shield would have been a very everyday sort of thing and so for us as christians our faith is that everyday sort of thing that we're expecting me to have I'm expecting you to have it. I'm expecting you in some way to be walking with the Lord, in some way to be exercising your faith, in some way to be asking the question, who is Christ in my circumstance right now? What is God doing? What does he want to do? And as we respond to him in that, we find that he is always victorious over the fiery darts of the wicked one no matter how they come, whether they come through words, whether they come through actions, whether they come through just whispers of the enemy. And here's the thing. You know, I've heard a lot of lies of the enemy, and I've believed a lot of them. You've heard a lot of lies of the enemy. You've believed a lot of them. Some of those lies that we've believed are the same. Some of them are vastly different. I I remember sitting in a a group of people, and they were all sharing very openly and very honestly how they're constantly struggling with with, um, feeling so useless and worthless. And I was sitting there and I'm thinking, I always feel like I'm the most super useful person. And and I finally, I like, and, and this was the funny part, I looked up and I and I told the girl Bonnie McDaniel sitting next to me, I was like, I, I just feel like I have the exact opposite problem. And she's like, me too. And <laughs> I met with her a couple Uh, Well, when I went out to the funeral for Roman and and she and her husband and her children were there, we're just chatting, remembering some of those things, but she's still there. She's still bubbly and happy and she just has never struggled with the identity of who am I? Now, since that time, there have been times where I have suddenly, the question shows up and says, Joseph, who do you think you are that you can step out and do and say these things? And I have to remind myself in those circumstances, well, this is who I am. First of all, I have believed in Jesus Christ. I've been transformed. I am a child of the king. I am his. He has bought me with a price, and it was his idea to send me out with his word. He said, go and teach everything that I have taught you. And so if I am taking the gospel and I'm taking this out, that was his idea. It was his idea to have me walk around with his name on my life. It was his idea for for me to be doing this. This was his. And so when I stop and realize who I am, I say, well, I am a child of the king, and he sent me here. And that will quiet the voice that comes and says, who do you think you are that you could say or do this or that? And so it is important for us to know who we are but it plays right back into faith. It's me believing that the words of Jesus are real. It's me trusting that what he's done in the past, he will do again. And if I look at my past and I say, I've never had to deal with anything like this in my past. Well, guess what I do? I go and I start reading George Mueller and Hudson Taylor and every other hero of the faith. And I'm reading here, God did it here. See, God did it in the past. I wasn't there, but God was there and God is here. So we're good and I can keep walking. So we read the stories, we listen to the testimonies of other people, and it encourages our faith. And what we're really looking for in all of this is we're looking for the truth that combats the lies that we have internalized. And that'll be part of what we'll talk about when we talk about the the shield of, uh, the, the helmet of salvation, when we talk about that. Um, and so I just want us to, each of us, to be thinking in terms of, okay, so I'm a Christian, I belong to Jesus, what's happening around me right now and how does Jesus fit into this? And then when you walk into work tomorrow morning, you look around and say, well, what's going on? What is the circumstance and what is the reality of Christ here? And you walk into whatever group of people you're with, wherever you go, just that simple practicing of his presence, of being aware of Jesus is here. And sometimes I feel like I've walked into circumstances and I say, well, the only reason he's here is because I'm here and I'm his child and he's with me. And so then I'm like, Lord, do you want me to stay here? Or what are we doing here? And he will either say, yes, I have a mission. I want something for you to do. Go talk with these people. Or he'll say, actually, it would probably be better if you weren't here and we leave. And so, the, so, but the question still is, Lord, what are you doing in this circumstance? And, and it's just a good exercise. And it's a good way for us and because then... If I'm aware of him and I walk into this in this circumstance and I say, wow, this is impossible, there's no way this is going to turn out right, to be like, well, how about we talk to God about this because he's dealt with this before and he is able. God is more than able to either find a way through for us, to shield us from the attack that's happening, or to completely transform what we're about to walk into. And we don't ever know what that is. And so it's important for me, if I come in and I, and I start telling you, for instance, let's say you're, you're, you have an illness or you're sick. And I come in and say, well, listen, one time there there's this, this Christian and he prayed and he was healed completely. And, and that was his faith that did that. And so if you are really having faith, you're gonna pray and you're gonna be healed. And then when you're not healed, I say, well, you don't have faith. That is a misapplication of what faith is faith is an understanding of who Jesus is and that he is involved with the things of this earth and that he is revealing himself in different ways to different people at different times and faith comes along and says Lord what are you doing how do you want us to pray how do you want us to move forward and it has discernment mixed in with it and then we walk in it it's not just me assuming that I know what God is going to do because I can assume that. I can can just say, oh, well, I've been here before, here's exactly what God's gonna do, but that's not helpful because that makes me project my past experience and turn it into a rule of law for everyone else and say, well, your experience should look like this, and it won't. Your experience will look different. The one thing that's the same is that the heart of God is with you, Jesus Christ is with you through his spirit, and he has a way that he wants to redeem and transform this path that you're about to walk, and if you take the time to ask him, he will most likely reveal it in some way. Sometimes when I've asked him to reveal it, I walk all the way through it, and then I see, oh, now I see what you did. Sometimes I feel his presence immediately, and he walks with me, and he says, don't do that, say this, don't go there, do this. And, and I walk with him, and it's so helpful. But all of those things, all of these pieces, they are part of faith. Faith in, a, in the, 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 the smallest nutshell that we can say, is to look at Jesus and experience his reality. Because that's what we do at the cross. That's what we do when we believe in Jesus Christ. We're turning our eyes to Jesus and we're allowing his reality to supersede ours. And that's what we really want. We want him to be living through us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've given us this image of the shield of faith and that we would be able to be protected from the attacks of the wicked one. Lord, I know that the wicked one is out to get us, but I know that you have already made a way for us, that we are able to not only win, but we are able to resist the enemy that he would have to flee from us. We're able to not allow the fiery darts of the wicked one to come into our life. And so, Father, I pray for each of us, Lord, we want to turn our eyes to you, to fix our eyes on you, and to experience the re- your reality, what you're doing in our circumstance. So, Father, increase our faith. Give us an active faith. Help us to cultivate our faith through your word, through prayer, through sharing with other people in our lives, Father. But, Lord, I pray that you would, you would peel away the lies of the enemy, Father, that we would not believe any of the lies, but that instead we would walk in, in fullness with you. We love you, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.